This Saturday, April 23rd, Merrimack Bakehouse will be participating in the Strawberry Pretzel Jello Salad Standoff at the Mall at Robinson in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The event will be in the Rotunda at the Mall starting at 11.30 a.m., and our friends at Yajagoff Media are hosting it. Each food vendor is paired with a charity or nonprofit to hand out samples of their version of a strawberry pretzel jello salad to people at the mall who will vote on their favorite. The team who receives the most votes will receive a donation of $500 directly to their nonprofit. We chose the Parkinson's Foundation of Western Pennsylvania, so stop by the mall and have one of our strawberry pretzel salad cookies. We're sure they'll be your favorite. For more information about the Strawberry Pretzel Jello Salad Standoff, go to the event page on shoprobinsonmall.com. Hello and welcome to In the Kitchen with Mary Mack. Today we're going to teach you how to make Ukrainian borscht, or my version of Ukrainian borscht, from my ancient Time Life cookbooks. So that's where I got the recipe from. When I was in my early 20s and I didn't know how to cook anything, I thought it would be a really good idea to get these Time Life cookbooks, you know, that you get like a subscription to them. They send you a different book every month. Of course, most of the recipes in them were things that there was no way I was going to make. These are like chef level recipes, you know, but they're from all over the world. So there's one book that's all soups and it's all these soups that are largely things that would are like dare food. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> like I am never making, nor am I ever eating this soup. But the best recipe that I found in this particular book is for Ukrainian borscht. And I've made it a few times. I have a good shortcut that I use while making it because making borscht, making Ukrainian borscht, I should say, is an all-day process. Now, Borscht is a very popular soup all across Eastern Europe and parts of Asia that are in that same area, and probably because they grow a lot of root vegetables and cabbage, so a lot of the foods from there are things made with root vegetables, and root vegetables also store really well for cold climates, so they're the perfect thing, and then um, cabbage, a lot of cabbage. So everybody has their own variation of borscht. I have a Polish cookbook at home that has around six borscht recipes in, and they're all just a little tiny bit different. But typically, all borscht has one thing in common. It has beets as a base to the soup. If you're not a beet eater, you're not familiar with beets, they are a round, dark, dark red root vegetable. Uh, You can eat the leaves of them fried. They're really good fried with uh, ham and or bacon or something like that. You can eat the leaves of them and then the root itself gets a big round ball that you eat that's that's like a, I don't want to say it's like anything. It's sort of like a bright red turnip, but then maybe you don't know what a turnip is. I don't know where to go with this. It's just about the size of a tennis ball usually. That's a large size beet. Typically, if you get canned beets, they're probably the size of a golf ball. Uh, we like a particular brand of canned beet that's called Aunt Nell's. They come in a glass jar. They are fantastic. And after I discovered Aunt Nell's jarred beets, I quit canning beets because canning beets is a very messy and long process. Even though beets are delicious, 
and I really love them. I used to grow them and I used to can them. And I can tell you that once I found Aunt Nell, I said, forget that. I'm never doing that again. We eat beets fairly often. And this recipe I have adapted to use the canned beets in just because it's getting hard now to find beets in the grocery store. It's very rare. You, if, if they are there, they're there for a very short period of time. Um, it's hard to find them in a farmer's market unless you get a farmer that grows a lot of specialty vegetables. Beets are not a popular thing that people grow. And I mean, in my husband's family, like everybody grew them. So, you know, it was funny that they always had them and a lot of people never even saw them before. So when I give you the recipe, I'm going to give you that little, my, uh, my little twist to it rather than using the uh, actual fresh beets in it. Now, Ukrainian borscht is like a meal soup. It's a main dish soup that you would have as your meal, like a stew or something like that. Typically, most of the borscht recipes that you will find are either like an appetizer soup or a cold soup, like a salad soup, okay? There is a Polish version. I'm, I know there are others, but I know the Polish version that is a cold soup and it's basically the beets and cabbage just in the beet broth itself and it's it's actually um it's beets are sweet okay so it sounds really weird but beet soup cold you put a dollop of uh sour cream on it and it's actually good it's not it's not a bad thing it sounds odd but that's what people ate in the summertime you know when it was cold for your meal um, so it's also still used as sort of like a starter to your meal, that kind of thing. And it can also be types of beet soup that are just beets and cabbage um, and possibly onion in there are, are also like a starter course for a meal. But the Ukrainian version of borscht is a very rich, complex dish that is, uh, it has so much flavor to it. It has a lot going on. And it's very hearty. So it's it's considered a main dish soup. Um, typically, you would have with your borscht, with this type of borscht, you would have uh, pierogies on the side, which pierogies can have so many different fillings in them. Probably a potato pierogi would be my go-to for um, with borscht. You can have uh, sweet cabbage pierogies would also be good with it. Some people use the meat-filled pierogies also. Sometimes for borscht, they take the meat that you use to make the broth and they actually slice it and serve that alongside of the soup as well as the meat that goes into the soup. So there's a lot of things that happen. There's sausages that are often served with it. Sour cream can also be served with this borscht as like a little dollop of it on the top, you know. It's a showpiece dish, I would say. It's a very good soup if you like a good meaty type of a a stew like that but it has the sweet and sour flavor to it that's that's very different that you get um with the beets so uh, i'm going to give you the recipe in two parts first we're going to talk about building the stock and then we're going to talk about actually composing the soup the stock is very important to ukrainian borscht and it does take some preparation and like i i should say this now that this is an all-day affair, okay? So this is a thing you do like if the weather's horrible and you're going to be staying home all day or something like that, or if you have a really large crock pot, which is what I did. I cheated a little bit. 
but that works great too. For the stock, you need a nice meaty ham bone. Coming up on Easter, if you're going to be having a ham, a bone in ham, or going to someone's house who's having a bone in ham, snag that bone, take it home, put it in the freezer for when you make your borscht. <laughs> I, that's what I always do. If we're having a ham for something, I'll save the bone and um, put it in a Ziploc bag and put it in the freezer. So then when I'm going to make borscht or if I'm going to make ham and beans or something like that, I have it. Okay. If the bone is not very meaty or if you decide you want to use a ham hock or a ham shank, you can do that too. Ham hocks anymore are almost as expensive as a little teeny ham, for goodness sakes. If you want to use a ham hock or a ham shank just to get that nice smoky flavor, you can do that. There's usually not very much meat on those, though. So I would get like a half to one pound ham slice that you can cube up to put into the soup. So you need that. You need one really nice meaty beef soup bone. I used a couple. I had two real nice meaty beef soup bones that I used when I made my broth and I didn't have to use any extra beef. I had enough on the bones to get that. Or you can also use about a one and a half pound bone in chuck roast and then you have lots of beef to go into your soup. You're going to bring these meats to a boil and simmer them. So that's how the meat will be cooked. But it, it actually turns out to be very flavorful. So, you know, if you're thinking, oh, that's that's a waste. It's really not, especially if you get one of those odd chuck roasts that's mostly bone, which that you always end up getting those if you buy a side or a quarter of beef or something. You always get one of those in there. So that works really well. You need two and a half to three quarts of water. You need two large onions quartered, one bay leaf, and a teaspoon of salt and a half teaspoon of pepper. So what you're going to do is you're going to put all the ingredients into a large pot or a six-quart Dutch oven, or a six-quart crock pot, or whatever. But if you're, if you're going to use a pot, you need a nice big pot. Dutch oven works also because you could also get this to a boil on the stovetop and then put it into the oven. So put all your things in there. Don't take any fat off your meat or anything. You want this to be, this is going to be a very rich broth. So put all of your meat items, your onions, your Dutch oven, salt and pepper into your pot with your water. Bring it to a boil. When it comes to a boil, you get, you'll get some foam that comes up from the meat. Skim off that foam and clean the top of your broth off good. And then reduce the heat, cover, and let it simmer for like two to three hours. So what I did, I did the this, this similar thing here. I put mine in a crock pot. I put everything in the crock pot. I put it on high and I let it cook for the entire day that I was at work, which ends up being like um, nine hours. So I set it all up in the morning, put everything in and let it go all day. So you want to get that to a boil, cook two to three hours till your meat's tender coming off the bone. You can tell your broth is nice and brothy. You can actually let it cook longer if you want to whatever you want. Let it cool, take it off the heat and let it cool so you can work with it. And I usually let it cool for like an hour because you do not want to mess around with this when it's real hot. Lift your soup bones out and your meat using a straining spoon and just get all that meat and all that, all the bones and everything as much as you can get out and lift that out and put it into a large bowl to let it finish cooling so you can work with it. And then you're going to strain your broth into a clean pot. And then we're going to go to step two. 
So once your broth is strained, you can throw away the um, onion and the bay leaf out of it and stuff. You want to um, let your meat cool so you can cover that and let it cool while you're doing the rest of it. Now that your broth is in a nice clean pot, you're going to put it back on the stove. And again, you need a nice big pot. I did mine. I strained it off into a 12-quart stock pot, nice and big. Now, you're going to be adding these ingredients. You're going to need about a 6 to 8 inch diameter head of cabbage, that nice white hard cabbage, and you want to clean that, core it, and then chop it into about 2 to 3 inch long strips, maybe an eighth inch wide. You want to kind of slice it down like a sauerkraut, you know what I mean? Like sauerkraut stringy, but not not that thin a little bit wider, but slice it like that. You don't want it chopped into little bitty bits. Okay. So chop up all your cabbage, bring your broth to a boil and put all that cabbage in. Cabbage takes a very long time to cook. So it should always be your first ingredient going into any soup. So what you want to do, get your cabbage in there, bring that broth back to a boil and let your cabbage cook for a little while, maybe like a half an hour. Now you want to get one large onion and cut it in half and slice it into very thin strips and then add that into your stock pot and let it cook. You want to let that cabbage and onion cook for, it's going to take a while, but you want to cook it until the cabbage is soft. And I'm going to say probably about an hour and a half to two hours. It takes a cabbage a long time. Now for your beets. Two 16-ounce jars of good quality sliced beets. Sliced beets are way easier to work with than whole beets because whole beets will jump right out of your hand when you're trying to cut them. So if you get the sliced beets and you want one jar of them to be pickled and one jar to be regular, you don't want spiced beets. There's all different kinds of beets, so read your label carefully. So you want one 16-ounce jar of regular beets and one 16-ounce jar of pickled beets sliced. And you need one and a half tablespoons of flour. Now, if you were a traditionalist, you would be using six beets, which have had the leaves trimmed off, leaving about two inches of stalk on them, scrubbed very well, and wrapped in foil and baked in the oven for two to three hours until they're soft, okay? But trust me on this. You don't even want to do that because your fingers will be red for two weeks. It's just ugly. It's really ugly. If you're desperate to make it with fresh beets, you can email me at mary at marymacbakehouse.com and I will tell you how to do the whole beets. We're not even going to go into it. (laughs) So once your cabbage is cooked, and you can sample this, once your cabbage is cooked to where it's nice and soft, then we can start adding in the beets. So that's going to be, it might take, depending on the cabbage, depending on the time of year, it can take your cabbage a good while to cook. So test it, you know, maybe every half hour and it'll be almost clear in the broth and it will be very, very limp when you take it out. And when you um, bite into it, it won't have any crunch. It won't be mushy, but it won't have any crunch. So you want to get it to that point. When you do, We're ready for our beets, okay? So what? this is how you're going to add the beets. You're going to very carefully 
using a strainer, pour the beets and beet juice into the strainer so that the juice goes into your broth and the beets don't. And then remove your beets to a cutting board. Okay. And do that with both jars of beets. So you want to pour the juice from the plain beets and the pickled beets into your broth. Now set your beets aside and let that continue to cook a little bit. You're going to take your beets and just cut them into what they call julian or strips. And if the beets, say the beets are a quarter of an inch thick, then you're going to cut the strips a quarter of an inch thick. So you have like a matchstick looking piece of beet. Okay, so now that you have cut your beets up into your little matchsticks and they're all nice and square and neat looking, you're going to toss them in a bowl with that one and a half tablespoons of flour until they're like coated and they're now they're all oddly pink looking. <laughs> and then add that into your broth and stir it in. And it, it, I don't know what exactly it does. It kind of thickens your broth up a little bit, but it's only one and a half tablespoons of flour. But I'm sure there's some purpose in it because it was in my schmancy recipe book. So there you go. Now back to your meat. During the time when all of this is cooking, you can go through the meat that you removed from the pot and the bones and remove as much good meat as you can from the bones, okay? If you don't have a lot on your ham hock or your ham bone, like I said, you can get that slice of ham and cube it up into like half inch cubes. Add that into your soup. Take your beef, clean as much fat off of it as you can, break it up into small pieces and put that into your soup. So you're going to have a good bit of beef. I You would probably have about maybe a pound of beef and a pound of ham all together into your borscht. Put that in and just let that simmer with your beets and your beet juice and all in there. And once it's nice and warmed up, your meat's heated back up again and your beets are heated up and cooked. It'll take about maybe like a half hour, 45 minutes of simmering, maybe an hour. Once that's all heated back up again, it's ready to serve. If you make borscht with fresh beets, it's usually super duper bright red because beets, like I said, they'll stain your fingers and it just never comes off. But if you do it with canned, it doesn't get quite as bright red as it can with fresh beets, but it, it's still red. It's very reasonably red. And when you serve this, you want to scoop it up so that you get meat, cabbage, beets, and everything into your dish. And it, it's beautiful in the dish. It honestly is beautiful in the dish. You could serve it with a nice rye bread and butter. And you can have some pierogies on the side if you want to. And this is a delicious meal. I actually just made it a couple weeks ago. Just because of sentimentality. Um, thinking of some friends in Ukraine. And, and I just made it and it was so good. And we ate and ate and ate it. I mean, <laughs> it makes a big... That's another thing about making Ukrainian borscht, it makes a great big pot of soup. So here are your options. You either have a bunch of friends over. If you make this the day before, it's also really, really good leftover. So if you want to make it the day before, have friends over, reheat it the next day. It'll be even better than it was the first day. And um, this will feed a small army of people. So <laughs> this makes a lot of soup, but it's really good. I have not tried to freeze it. 
but I did take it in my lunch about four days in a row. I can say that. So it was very good. So I hope you, uh, I hope you try this recipe. I mean, I know it's pretty involved making the stock, but making stock is involved anyway. But this is such an, I mean, when you look at the recipe, it seems there's a lot going on. There really is a lot going on. You get the smokiness of your ham. That's why I said you want to get a good smoked ham bone or a ham hock. But you get that beautiful smoky flavor and the richness of your beef with your soup bone in there. You get this beautiful richness from your beef. And then the using the um, pickled beets in it. Traditional borscht uses a um, fermented beet juice. So this is this is actually pretty good for the flavoring, but you get this sweet and sour flavor. It's just like an incredible, incredibly textured flavor that you're getting. It's just so much, and you get every bite of it. You get that cabbage in there and the beets. Beets are so good. So I, I hope you try this because it's really well worth a try, especially like if you're um, having a lot of, if you want to have a lot of people over or if you want to take it to a, a a big dinner or something like that, it's really, it's really good for that. So please give it a try. It'll help you also um, think about what's going on in the world and keep you focused, focused on that. So enjoy this recipe. Enjoy your borscht. And make sure to check us out online on Facebook and Instagram at Mary Mac Bakehouse, on Twitter at Mobile Mary Mac and Mary Mac Podcast, and on our website, MaryMacPodcast.com. Thanks a lot for listening if you did, and if you didn't, too bad for you.